0: Holland Wilcox acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to all First Nations people joining us today.
1: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Holland Wilcox Spotlight on Construction Law podcast series. My name is Stefan Fink. And I'm a partner in the projects and construction team at Hall and Wilcox in Sydney. In this episode, we're continuing a discussion from our last episode on the topic of possible quick fixes that could be incorporated into construction contracts and that might reduce the risk of contractors going insolvent. We focused on two quick fixes: being advanced payment clauses and price adjustment clauses. In our last episode, we gave an overview of what advanced payment and price adjustment clauses are and why they are beneficial to contractors, developers, and the construction sector as a whole. Today, we are delighted to be joined by David Gibson, who is the CEO of the DGA Group. DGA is a specialized construction consulting firm that has offices around the world, working with clients on all stages of a project, from tender formation, through planning and scheduling, risk management, and dispute resolution. David has over 30 years' experience in the construction industry and is a Fellow of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, the Chartered Institution of Civil Engineering Surveyors, and the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators. He's also a CEDR-accredited mediator. David hails from the UK, but has been living and working in Australia since 2019. He has also worked for many years in other places, such as Hong Kong, Singapore, Dubai, and the UK. Welcome, David.
0: It's nice to be here, Stefan.
1: Great to have you on board. Let's begin by talking about advanced payment clauses. By way of a reminder, advanced payment clauses are clauses which provide the contractor with an upfront payment sometimes secured by a specific bond, which is paid back during the first months of the project, usually by a way of percentage deductions on progress payments. David, tell me about your experience of advance payment clauses here in Australia.
0: Just first across all the areas I've worked in, um, I found most of the contracts uh, have an option to include for um, advance payment clauses. Uh, That's in the UK, Asia and Australia. And obviously the, um, the lifeblood for any contractor is his uh, positive cash flow. So the advanced payment uh, provides the contractors uh, with a, uh, a significant uh, cash inflow at the beginning of a project. Uh, so they're obviously keen to have these advanced payments clauses uh, in the contract. Where, where it is taken up, I found generally, it's normally about 10 to 20% of the contract sum is the advance payment. Um, I've also found it creates a a better working and collaborative relation between the uh, employer or principal and uh, the contractor. It it sets the contract off on a good footing. And I find that does um, help with collaboration on, on the projects. Uh, I've also seen it create uh, an opportunity to submit more competitive tenders, where I've known some contractors able to offset some of the interest that they earn off the advance payment against the uh, the tender bid, and therefore uh, it does have a positive uh, effect for the employer and sometimes they do get uh, a slightly reduced tender price. I've also found the advanced payments are probably more prevalent uh, in the Middle East because obviously the liquidity in the market is quite low and contractors are at more risk uh, you know, for securing regular payments and therefore the advanced payment does offset that risk uh, significantly. Uh, I've, I've always found that the advanced payments are, are, are well organised and properly administered in the contracts. Uh, they usually uh, set out... The requirements for the advanced payment guarantees obviously the employer wants these uh, advanced payments um, uh, offset against a um, a guarantee they can call upon uh, you know should for example the contractor uh, go bust or, or, or it's terminated they've got a, a guaranteed call upon and uh, there's normally very clear uh, methodology in the contract in which the advanced payment, Uh, is gradually repaid uh, through the contract, through an adjustment to the interim payment certificates.
1: Thank you, David. And I think that also aligns with our observations uh, from a legal perspective that we had in our first podcast series, that generally uh, these clauses and payment mechanisms are rather beneficial, uh, effectively, not only for contractors, but both parties. And I guess Australia still has a little bit of... um, development to do in in this area. So maybe just quickly to conclude the advanced payment claims section of this podcast, what are your top tips for using an advanced payment clause?
0: So looking at it from uh, the perspective of the party. So for the employer, um, I think the use of the advanced payment creates more interest for contractors to bid for his projects there are obviously some tender potential tender benefits um, where people may some contractors may want to offset some of the uh, potential interest they can get off the advance payments against their uh, tender benefits. The employer obviously may, needs to make sure that the guarantees are, are in place with uh, approved wording and with an approved uh, provider, you know bank or uh, insurance company make sure they are all properly in place uh, prior to making the advance payment, because obviously he needs to have that protection. And also to make sure that there is a clear mechanism for the structured repayment uh, of the advance payment. So he understands exactly over what period of time he's going to be able to uh, recover the advance payment he's made to the contractor. Uh, For the contractor, obviously great for uh, cash flow to have that cash injection at the beginning of a project. I've, I've, I think the contractor uh, starts off on a better footing, a more collaborative relationship with the uh, employer. And uh, with the parent company guarantee option, sometimes it's a no cost option to provide a guarantee if the, if the employer is willing sometimes to accept uh, a parent company, company guarantee for a large international uh, contracting organisation and i think a tip for the contractor is to make sure uh, that the guarantee uh, for the advance payment uh, decreases in line with the repayments uh, that are which are made each, in each uh, progress certificate and automatically uh, cancels once the final repayment is made
1: thank you david moving on now to the more complex area of price adjustment clauses by way of a reminder price adjustment clauses are clauses which provide for an adjustment both up or down in the price of certain items which are for example materials labor transport and so on benchmarked against something measurable such as government published indexes at certain times throughout a project based on certain parameters and conditions david tell me about your experience of price adjustment clauses here in australia
0: Okay, so generally, again, across the regions I've worked in, um, I found there are more contracts which are fixed price lump sum contracts than contracts that have a, a price adjustment formula. So obviously a price adjustment clause uh, provides a formula to adjust the contractor's contracts um, up or down for the cost of certain resources, such as labour, plant and materials, based on movements in market pricing during the construction phase. There are options in most contracts across the UK, Asia, uh, and Australia um, for including the price adjustment clauses. It's not so common now, I find, in Australia. Uh, They were more prevalent in earlier contracts such as the AS2124 1992 and the AS4300 1995. But now with the more recent contracts such as the AS4000 1997 and the AS4902 in 2000, uh, the option to include a price adjustment clause uh, is is, is not generally included, but obviously can be negotiated uh, by the parties. The other thing I've noticed is post pandemic, there's been a a global recovery strategy with governments spending more on infrastructure. Uh, A byproduct of that has caused significant cost escalation on materials and labour, and those contractors working on fixed fixed price contracts have suffered with having to absorb those uh, cost increases. I generally find employers prefer to put the risk of price escalation on uh, contractors. Although for projects which have a long duration or where there is known volatility in resource costs, contractors may not be willing to accept the risk so easily these days. And therefore contracts are more open to negotiation to in- incorporate uh, price adjustment clause. Uh, obviously tender prices are obviously lower where there is a price adjustment clause because the contractor does not have to include a uh, sum to cover the risk of price escalation in its lump sum tenders. Uh, and I believe where the industry now is moving more towards collaborative working arrangements, we will see more contracts uh, including a price adjustment formula.
1: Thank you, David. and to finish our discussion and overview of these clauses what are your top tips for using a price adjustment clause
0: so you you need to consider the characteristics of the contract you know is it is it a long construction period uh, is there likely to be volatility in the market for resource pricing and you know what's the contractor's appetite for uh, accepting risks associated with escalation and who is best to manage this risk. There needs to be a clear understanding of the indices to be used. So in Australia, there are indices in the Australian Bureau of Statistics, and you need to clearly understand what's the base date that you're going to use for the uh, indices to compare to. And then you need to consider who defines the coefficients, i.e. if if you break down your contracts, for percentages for labour, plant and material. You know, who is best to define those percentages? And I would say the contractor is probably best to define those percentages, as obviously he's calculated his tender price. But alternatively, the principal may set those percentages out uh, in the tender. Uh, And for employees, they just need to consider the impact of price escalation uh, in their overall budgets for the project.
1: Thank you, David. That has been an extremely insightful discussion thanks everyone for listening today we hope you enjoyed this discussion with david as always please get in touch with us if you have any questions you can find our details on our website which is hall and or connect with us on linkedin we are in the process of recording the next series so be sure to subscribe notified of new episodes when we return our next topic will be digital construction how the use of technology can improve productivity and if you enjoyed today's episode then rate review or follow our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from thank you
0: This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.